we say together, Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. We're going to move on to our time of confession, and this is a Kyrie confession. <laughs> And after I've said the sentence, I'll leave a short gap before I say, Lord, have mercy. And maybe during that short gap, we can spend time reflecting on what that previous sentence might mean for us. So, our confession. You raise the dead to life in the spirit. Lord, have mercy. You bring pardon and peace to the broken in heart. Christ, have mercy. You make one by your spirit the torn and divided. Lord, have mercy. Almighty God, who in Christ Jesus has given you a kingdom that cannot be destroyed, forgive you your sins, open your eyes to God's truth, Strengthen you to do God's will and give you the joy of the kingdom, of his kingdom, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We're going to have our reading now. It's from 1 Peter 4, 12 to 19. Thank you, Pauline. So the first letter of Peter, chapter 4, reading from verse 12. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, 
what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And it is hard for the righteous to be saved. If it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Pauline. Uh, Peter's going to come up and continue our journey through 1 Peter. Let's pray for Peter, shall we, as he comes to preach. And so, Father, we ask that you will anoint Peter as he shares the thoughts that he has prepared and that you have given him from this passage. Lord, may we have ears to hear and hearts that are open to listen to you this morning. Amen. Thank you, Peter. Well, good morning again. Well, as I've uh, said a few times as we've looked together at this uh, letter of 1 Peter, it's interesting, isn't it? Uh, I think we'd all agree that suffering is part of being a Christian, part of a, a Christian's life. It's what it means to be a follower of Christ, is, is suffering kind of, it's part of that. Uh, but it is amazing how we can so often think that it's, the suffering is, is somehow something we don't really need to think about for ourselves, or something we need to worry about ourselves. Uh, you know, that we don't need to really think about persecution breaking out against us. Uh, you know, it's, it's out there, it's over there, way away from us, uh, in the Far East, or, uh, you know, China, India, and so on, you know, places like that. <clears throat> Not here in quiet and peaceful Baston Hill or Shrewsbury. Now, I hope uh, Ivan doesn't mind me uh, mentioning uh, this, uh, but as you may know, there's a Churches Together meeting here on Wednesday night, uh, and uh, it's free advertising, Ivan. Um, this is a, a Church Together event, and it's a presentation by a man from uh, the Christian organization Barnabas Aid about the persecuted church. Now, obviously, I don't know what the man's going to say on Wednesday night, but I'm 99% sure it'll be about pers the persecuted church away away, thousands of miles away. I don't know. Is that, I don't know if I'm you know or not, but um, I'm, I'm guessing that's what he's going to be talking about. You know, China... Uh, etc. But as the Apostle Peter says here in this reading, at the outset of our reading, he says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you. To test you. You see, suffering for our faith isn't just about our brothers and sisters over there in China, and, and please hear me, I'm, I'm uh, that is important. It is incredibly important that we are concerned about our brothers and sisters in other places around the world. It is absolutely vital that we are concerned, praying, and doing what we can uh, to stand with them in their suffering. So do come on Wednesday night. But Peter says it's about you, me. 
Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fire ordeal that has come on, to, on you to test you. Uh, <clears throat> a man called Michael Hart, he's a, an author, not particularly well known, but he's uh, written a book called The 100, a ranking of the most influential persons in history. And so there's a list of who he considers to be the most uh, influential in world history. Now, he doesn't claim to be a Christian, this man, Michael Hart. Uh, he doesn't claim to belong to any of the major faith groups. But his number one uh, most influential person in history is not Jesus Christ. Uh, the second most influential person is not Jesus. In fact, he lists him as three, number three on the list. So why, why is he not the most influential? Why is he not at the top of the list, you might wonder why he's not a Christian for one thing, but he places Mohammed at the top. <clears throat> now, as I say, he's not a Christian, he's not a Muslim, but he's placed Mohammed above Christ. Because in his observation, in his estimation, he thinks that Mohammed has more influence over uh, Mohammed's followers than Jesus does over Christians. Now, that's quite a thing to say, isn't it? It's challenging, isn't it? Because he's talking about Jesus Christ's influence over believers, over Christians, not unbelievers. And so what he argues is that, that Christians do not seem to be heeding or following their master's commands. Uh, the American pastor, John Piper, he's a uh, well-known writer as well, uh, tells this story about Brother Andrew, you've probably heard of. Brother Andrew, who's a Dutch missionary. And this is from before the Cold War, and I quote, Brother Andrew tells a story of sitting in Budapest in Hungary with a dozen pastors of that city teaching them from the Bible. In walks an old friend, a pastor from Romania, who had recently been released from prison. Brother Andrew said that he stopped teaching and knew that it was time to listen. After a long pause, a Romanian pastor said, Andrew, are there any pastors in prison in Holland? 